This is Alumni Allowed, a podcast by Graduate Center students for Graduate Center students. In each episode, we talk with a GC graduate about their career path, the ins and outs of their current position, and the career advice they have for students. This series is sponsored by the Graduate Center's Office of Career Planning and Professional Development. I'm Anders Wallace, a PhD candidate in the Anthropology program at the Graduate Center. In this episode, I sit down with Lauren Suchman, who is Evaluation Director at the Institute for Global Health Sciences at the University of California, San Francisco. Lauren earned her PhD in the Anthropology program at the Graduate Center. When we spoke, Lauren had just started her job as an Evaluation Officer in the Global Health Sciences at UCSF. In this episode, Lauren tells us about the importance of shaping a narrative around your career choices, the benefits of thinking and preparing for post-dissertation life early in your PhD training, as well as the sacrifices and unexpected joys of applying research in outcome-driven contexts. Lauren lives in San Francisco, and we connected via Skype. I hope I can actually be useful because, I mean, I'm still working at a university, so it's not like I've left academia altogether, but I'm not going into like the tenure track I'm not going to be on that path. So I thought maybe my experience would be useful for yeah. people who, you know, are interested in research, but aren't, you know, maybe going to like be professors. So first of all, what's your name and what do you do for a living currently? My name is Lauren Suchman, and I also just started as an evaluation officer in global health sciences at UC San Francisco. So how did you come into this health program evaluation role that you're currently in? I actually found it online. I was starting to think about post-dissertation life, and I thought that I should just start looking around and seeing what was out there um, that I might be qualified for and that might be interesting to me as a next step. And I found this job posting and it seemed perfect. I had budgeted a lot more time for a job search. So I was a little bit surprised when I applied and got this much faster than I intended to. But it was just such a good fit that it seemed like the right thing to do. And uh, you found it on a job board. Was this a generic job board? So UCSF, their global health, the Global Health Sciences has their own jobs website that includes both UCSF postings and then sort of general postings in other places that are just related to global health sciences. So I had been using their job board just to as sort of to take a broad sweep. And this job happened to actually be at UCSF, which is a very reputable program and just happened to work out well that way. So you said you had in mind for a while that you weren't going to go into seek a tenured academic professorial role and you sort of allotted time to do a job search. So at what point in your PhD did you realize that you thought you don't want to do a full academic route? I don't know if I'm supposed to say this, but I never really wanted to. That's a perfectly good answer. (laughs) Um, There was a time after I had been teaching, I did did my uh, my GTF at Lehman College for three years. And after I'd been there for a year or two, I really liked it. And so I thought, oh, maybe the professor, you know, tenure track thing could be for me. But that was sort of short lived. And I'd always kind of planned around not being a professor from the moment I started grad school. And so I sort of took 
outside jobs and things like that accordingly to kind of boost my resume for other kinds of positions. What's your dissertation about for people who might make a connection between your work and your research? So my dissertation is actually on the ending the AIDS epidemic campaign that New York State is running. Mm. Um, And the campaign is to bring AIDS below epidemic levels throughout New York State by 2020. And I got interested in that because before even coming to CUNY, I had been doing global HIV work for a while. um, And I kind of continued to do that through my career at CUNY. And intended to keep doing the international work for my dissertation. But one of the jobs I took as a part-time job was with the New York State Department of Health working on a program evaluation for them. And so this kind of fell into my lap through that. And I really liked that work. And it was related to my interest in in HIV. So Mm. it all came together. But as I've been transitioning out of CUNY, I'm interested in getting back into the global work. So that's part of the reason for looking at the global health sciences. That's really a synergistic fit, it sounds like, between the academic and the practical side. It's worked out very well. I mean, I think that for me, I've always been very conscious of having a very particular narrative to my career. And so I think I've just been very conscious of following certain sort of narrative streams, like HIV, reproductive health, global health, inequality, things like that. That's how I've been able to locate the kinds of jobs that have been good for me. That's so interesting because you had done public health work before joining an anthropology program. Uh, Mm -hmm. So what was your rationale in entering the program, given that you never wanted to see it through as an academic career per se? I still have a little trouble answering this question in a way that I think is coherent, (laughs) but it's basically, I think I wanted to learn how to think about the issues that I was grappling with in public health from a perspective that wasn't public health. Mm-hmm. Like I knew there was something deeper going on, but I couldn't quite figure out what it was and how to articulate it. And public health doesn't quite get there. And so I actually, I had thought about doing like a DPH or something, a doctorate in public health. Okay. So That's sort of more a practical degree to go into public health research or management or something. But I decided to do the PhD in anthropology because it just felt like I would be able to think through these things more fully. And I mean, it really has worked. It's been quite a slog, but... Um, But I think I've gotten that out of it. So that's been pretty cool. That's fascinating, actually. So what's a typical day like for you? I am extremely spoiled right now in my new role. Um, So I actually, I negotiated really hardcore for this job when I first came in because I didn't really need it. And so I kind of felt like I could ask for everything I wanted and I had nothing to lose. And I also... I recently worked on a project with Stanford doing some data analysis and coding for them on women in the workplace. And so I was really gung ho about like being a woman who was taking a stand in the workplace and fighting for my rights and stuff. So I was able to negotiate starting for my first two months at half time so that I could do more dissertation work. And so right now I've kind of been, I'll go into the office for maybe one full week, and then I'll take one week Mm -hmm. and just do dissertation stuff. It's a little fuzzier than that, you know, just because sometimes they need me for things because I'm sort of managing this project. But it's, yeah, I mean, today I'm working from home. And the office culture in GHS is pretty flexible. People travel a lot and also work a lot from home. And so it's really nice that way, because it's, you know, 
it's not about the FaceTime hours. It's just about getting the work done, which is nice. Could you talk a bit more about the actual work itself and what you spend your time doing? Basically, I'm a senior researcher on this project. It's called African Health Markets for Equity. And it's been a five-year project and I was brought in for the last year. They had another senior researcher who was working part-time and needed someone full-time for this last year to sort of do all the analysis. So the project is looking at increasing access to healthcare in Kenya and Ghana through increased access to private clinics Hmm. um, and specifically family planning clinics. But I think the sweep is sort of broader than that in terms of who they're hoping to reach. Wow. So at this point, I'm just getting started and we're basically just trying to make sure all the IRB renewals and all the boring things are in place. But moving forward, I'll be in Kenya for a couple of weeks in January and in Ghana for a couple of weeks in February running field trainings. We have a bunch more qualitative data collection coming up and then I'll just be running the coding and analysis and all of that. That's my job, basically. That's fascinating. But it sounds (laughs) very anthropological. The research side, you're doing qualitative research. You're going to the field. You're interviewing stakeholders, if you will, I suppose, the folks who go and use these clinics as well as the administrators. Yeah. So we'll actually be training field staff to go do those interviews. So I won't be doing them myself. I mean, I think the thing about sort of making this translation between anthro and ethnography and sort of more applied stuff like this, the stuff that I basically do is program and impact evaluation, sorry, not evaluation, but implementation science, you know, it can't be as labor intensive, right? You can't attend all these meetings and just take notes about everything you see, like that's not going to happen. And it's less, it tends to take a less of a sort of broad look at these like overarching themes. They're really interested more in is this working? Why or why not? Right. Targeted. I think, yeah, because, you know, this is funded by people who need to see certain things come out of it. Right. But I think there's also room, we're hoping that we'll get a few papers out of this. And I think one of them could be a more sort of overarching look at, you know, something like healthcare consumerism. And that would be more of a, an anthropological bent in the analysis phase. What do you find the most rewarding about your work besides the um, flexibility in a half time? <laughs> well, the flexibility is nice. I think especially coming from, from anthropology at CUNY, I mean, inequality is the name of the game, right? And so... If you are someone who's concerned about inequality and you work on that, then working on this kind of project that's trying to provide some kind of solution to that is pretty cool. So the ability to have an impact on these programs rather than simply observing and analyzing them for an academic audience. Yeah. I mean, I've never been the kind of academic who just wants to write a paper in a journal, you know. So it's nice to see things actually happen. And Mm -hmm. in terms of the workplace that you described, it sounds somewhat similar to academia in terms of a fair amount of independence, getting the work done rather than punching the clock. Are there differences from academia in terms of the work environment or the culture of the institution, which is based at a university? That's a good question. I mean, I think because it's still a university, it's hard to say it's obviously a different university. So there are differences in the environment in that way. And where I work is we're basically, I mean, UCSF is a medical institution. That's all they do. And my office is basically, you know, near San Francisco General Hospital and affiliated in some way. So uh, I I think in that environment, a little is a little bit different. But Mm -hmm. yeah, otherwise, you know, I would say it's 
I'd say it's comparable. A lot of our listeners, they are considering myriad issues in terms of whether to stay in academia and pursue a professorial job or leave and do a non-academic job for a variety of reasons. It sounds like you've enjoyed the lifestyle in your new role, which could be everything from flexibility to compensation and benefits. I think the biggest transition is just leaving graduate school, right? I mean, this is the first job I've been in out of grad school where I'm just sort of taken seriously as a professional. And most people actually assume I have my PhD already. Mm. It's just just making that transition out of graduate school when you suddenly um, start to see other people take your work very seriously and take you seriously as a professional in a new way. Um, It doesn't really happen in graduate school that much. Mm. And starting to, I think, value yourself in a new way, um, Mm. particularly in terms of financial compensation, right? I mean, the, the salary that you are offered as someone who has a higher degree once you actually come out of graduate school seems extremely substantial to all of us, right? No matter what field you're in. And so... I mean, whatever in San Francisco is probably I'm probably still considered poor. You know, this city is as expensive as New York, if not more at this point. But, you know, just having that kind of security and honestly signing up for like health and retirement benefits was Mm. great. (laughs) Yeah, Very exciting. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Sort of starting to own your professional identity Mm, postgraduate school is a big deal. And I think you know, gender is sort of my wheelhouse. And like, especially as a woman, you know, we're kind of taught not to own that stuff in the same way. And you really, I think, have to learn how to own that and exert it, right? And Mm. this project that I'm working on, I mean, it quickly became clear to me that I'm mostly in charge. And so I kind of realized that one day, and I was like, okay, I guess I make the decisions now. But, you know, that was kind of hard for me to do because I'm used to having other people make the decisions and I'm used to not being the expert. And now you just have to kind of trust that you've gotten to that point and just do it, you know. So what specific skills and knowledge did you gain in grad school that have prepared you for your current work? A lot of stuff I gained was through my the work that I pursued outside of classes and things like that. So. Mm-hmm. Since I came into the program uh, knowing that I didn't want to be a professor, even starting my first year, I took a part-time job as a project manager at the Mm -hmm. School of Public Health. And so I had several jobs throughout the course of grad school that have sort of built on that experience. And especially recently, um, thinking very carefully about maybe gaps on my resume and what kinds of skills or thematic areas I might want to specifically fill in beyond academia. But I think within CUNY itself, one of the, I think one of the best skills that you learn in graduate school is to learn how to, to not <laughs> be harmed by negative feedback because you get so much sort of thrown at you all the time. That's And I would actually say that my advisor is pretty good about that and tempers it very well. But, you know, you're always kind of being critiqued for things. You're always being held accountable and uh, in a way that I don't think you are always in other fields. And that's a really good skill to carry into the workplace outside. So a thicker skin. Probably. And just kind of saying, oh, this is the critique I got. Here's what I'm going to do with it, you know, rather than sulking over it or something or not taking it seriously or whatever. What skills would you recommend current GC students could deliberately go out and hone for themselves if they were to, say, want to work in a field like yours? I think project management, I think, is um, something that you do sort of develop in grad school, especially when you're doing your dissertation work. You 
have to manage it for yourself, right, for the most part. But for me, it was really helpful also to have that outside experience. And when you're doing your dissertation work, you know, from beginning to end, just be really deliberate about, you know, what's the best way to do this? How do I plan this? What's my timeline? What's my budget? All of those things, right? Mm -hmm. That is really useful outside of outside of academia. I mean, when you're doing your dissertation stuff, you're managing your own project. You're your own senior researcher too. So, you know, own that stuff and put it on your resume. (laughs) (laughs) Anything else that comes to mind? I mean, that's a pretty central piece. I wonder if there are, you know, online trainings or something like that for pretty basic, you know, learning. I mean, even learning just different kinds of software, like, you know, in our program, we learned how to code Uh, qualitative data with Atlas or even something. I mean, I think you could even take a class or two outside of your own department that could be very useful. Like I thought at one point about taking one or two classes in the public health department, you know, that had sort of of a quantitative data bent or something just Mm -hmm. because that I knew that would be useful for me in the working world. So yeah, I think, you you know, capitalize on what's already covered in your tuition anyway, you know. Yeah, that's good advice to keep yeah. an open mind beyond just your own field and what they expect. Has being in your in your current work changed your opinion about the value of a PhD or the process or ways you would have done it differently? I think one of the hardest things about grad school, and by grad school, I mean a PhD, a doctoral program, Mm -hmm. because a master's is totally different, but is that you go through so many life changes during the time, because it's so long, right? Mm -hmm. And you do it during a time in your life when you're becoming an adult in a different way. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and as you're transitioning out of that, um, having been so poor for so long, I mean, I really like my financial management skills were like not good because I had so little money. It was like, what was I going to do with it? You know? And, um, and so then to come out and kind of realize, oh, I need to figure out now that I can save money, how much do I save? Where do I put it? Like Mm. what kind of retirement plan do I want? Financial literacy isn't something that we talk about in grad school because mm. all, we just joke about how poor we are all the time. But then, what do you do when you come out the other end? Like, you need to know how to deal with that. So, I wish I had started learning about that stuff a little bit earlier. Mm. I think it's true, and it changes self perception too. Once people say, "Think about your money," then for many people, it could have a certain perspectival shift. There are tons of podcasts out there. I started listening to a financial podcast somewhat recently that I love. It's called So Money with Farnoosh Tarabi. She's based in Brooklyn. And yeah, I mean, like, as you have to start doing that stuff yourself, then it is really helpful, I think, to have that advice to fall back on. And so I feel like we've covered most of the questions that I had. Are there things that I didn't ask that you think are relevant? Um, I did take one class during grad school that was totally irrelevant to anything. I took a a poetry writing class at City College with a bunch of undergrads. And it was great. And I think that one of the nice things about being a grad student, I mean, this whole podcast is about, okay, what can you do to get ready for your career and stuff? But Mm -hmm. in grad school, you also have to kind of maintain your mental health too. And so for me, that was taking a poetry workshop, you know? And um, so I think there's, there's that aspect too of both preparing yourself for the workplace, but also maintaining your sanity while you do that. Yeah, that's really good advice. Self-care and knowing what self-care works for you and for everyone who's listening is a really yeah. important piece that people forget. Yeah, so that worked well for me. I think it's just good to, you know, it's helpful to know what's out there and 
maybe you'll get a cool professorship. And if not, then maybe there's something else out there that would be great for you, you know? That's a wrap for this episode of Alumni Allowed. I want to thank Lauren for coming on the show to share her experiences transitioning out of PhD life with our listeners. Remember to stay tuned for more episodes of Alumni Allowed, published every two weeks during the fall and spring semesters. Subscribe on iTunes and you'll automatically be notified of new episodes. Also check out our Facebook, Twitter, and career planning website at cuny.is careerplan for more updates from our office or to make appointments with our career counselors. Thanks for listening and see you next time.